Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Não perde tempo. Escolhi uma roupa. Porque no fim eu sei que vou tirar. Fala tchau pro seu batom na boca. E fala oi pra quem te faz pirar. Se você já tá com a mesma sensação. Pode vir. Gente que eu tô um bugão. Descontrolada toda essa tara E não para porque a coisa ficou mara Vou te ganhar no cansaço No cansaço, no cansaço Vamos fazer um regaço Um regaço, um regaço Colarinha dos amassos Amassos, amassos Vamos fazer opinions and representations expressed on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network and its website are those of the hosts, guests, and participants, and are not necessarily those of or endorsed by the network, its affiliated stations and broadcasts, the management, other hosts, or advertisers of the network. The shows found on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network can, but do not necessarily, promote any particular lifestyle, belief, religion, political affiliation, or other personal practice. These shows are for entertainment purposes only and are not intended to treat, diagnose, and or claim any cure of disease or condition or give any medical or legal advice. Coming to you from some far point station, like a cosmic tumbleweed, both north and south of the Pleiades, here's your host, Gary Anderson. That is me, boy. I just waiting for that storm to go by. I don't know. I, I, I like that intro, but I don't because I never know when to jump in. I have to wait for that second set of uh, thunder. Well, tonight we're going to be talking with a great guest about ghost hunting, uh, what it's like to be on, uh, well, cable TV and all that stuff and past life regressions and everything right after this. Do you have a paranormal story you want to share on Night Dreams Talk Radio? You could be a guest. Email us at 
nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. Coming to you from some far point. You're listening to my friend Gary Anderson on Night Dreams Talk Radio, the best in paranormal radio. Well, I try to be. Hey, how is everybody doing tonight? I tell you, I, I'm a little bit kind of uh, all strung out here today. Uh, ten minutes before going on the air, my internet went down. I got that back up running, and I found out why it went. We got a cat, and it decided to get into the server rack, and all those cables just came disconnected. So I was sitting there, you know, trying to plug everything back in for I could get on the air, and here we are. Hey, anyway, I'm going to introduce our guest. Guest, are you here tonight? Yes, I am. You want to tell everybody about you and who you are and all that great stuff? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Marlene Pardo Pelliser. I'm a native Miamian. Um, I founded a paranormal, well, I was a paranormal investigator back, starting back in the 90s. I tell everybody this is when you still had to pay to develop film. Uh, my group was called Miami Ghost Chronicles. I really I was more of a freelance investigator per se than, uh, than an actor. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To a group, I used to work with different groups. I used to work with the research foundation uh, that used to cover the entire state of Florida. So I would work a lot. Uh, down in like the South Florida area, or if they needed help somewhere else, um, then, you know, I've been doing this, in other words, for a long time. Uh, throughout that time, I worked as a hypnotherapist uh, and, you know, just seeing the evolution of the paranormal. In other words, uh, recently I appeared on one of the episodes of Paranormal Survivor and uh, another one uh, that just came out recently for Haunted Hospitals. And, um, and at one point also, I, I've, I held a job as an investigator for the state. So I, I go from one end of the spectrum to the other, you know, so yeah, that's, that's kind of in a nutshell, a oh. little bit about me. Wow. That's actually quite a bit. Now I got to ask you a question. What <laughs> is the scariest investigation sure. you've ever been on? Wow. Uh, or one of you know them. What? How You're about one of laugh them? at this, but. And, and sometimes scary, it, because sometimes when you could go to some of these investigations, you're kind of like ready for things. But I want to say one time, uh, usually if, you know, we had, uh, let's say, a certain amount of investigators, everybody would come kind of like meet there at the client's house because we were coming in from different points. But afterwards, we would say, hey, uh, you know, we're not going to stand out in front of the client's home. Let's meet out in the parking lot of the gas station or wherever. And so we could have like a real quick meeting before everybody goes back. And I remember one time we did something like that. It was really late at night. And this was a place that was really quiet. It must have been close to midnight, really quiet. And one time, and, you know, everybody would park their car and just step outside of the car and just, and all of a sudden we started hearing something banging around inside of somebody's trunk. And there was nothing that should have been, I mean, talk about, uh, it really, like, we were totally unprepared for it. Uh, and... I remember we looked at the, it wasn't my car. We looked at the person whose car it was and was like, did, did you lock your cat in the, inside the truck of the car? What did, and there was something rattling. I mean, we ended up, you know, of course, she had to open up the trunk because none of us is like, your car, you're going to be the one that's going to open it. Oh, wow. And of course, there was nothing in there. There was nothing in there. Okay. And it wasn't like, you know, like something shifting, you know. No, it was absolutely something being moved around inside of her vehicle. And, you know, she had stuff in there, you know, like everybody does in their trunk. But, and that was, I want to say, one of the times, and just because of the moments that was unexpected, and it also made us realize, you know, that thing I'll, people always talk about, does anything follow you home when you're an investigator? Yes, oh, yeah. it can. <laughs> so, that's, as a matter of fact, after that, I, I, would, I would definitely smudge down my vehicle before I, uh, I came back home. That was one of those early lessons I learned. 
Okay. Did, so, yeah. did it tells me it, it, one of the early lessons, did you have anything ever follow you back home that uh, you weren't happy about? Um, you know what? Um, I would, I'm going to say this and, and, and I've told everybody, uh, you know, that, that, you know, other people have come to me along the line to ask me about things. At uh, one point I had, it wasn't as a matter of fact, after it would be before an investigation. At one point I had like a, you know, a, a garage that I had converted to like a small office, but it was a separate building from the house. I basically converted it into an office. And I remember I would have a window that would face the like a passageway. It was like that frosted glass. And sometimes I would sit there working and everything. And sometimes I would see a shadow dart back and forth across that frosted glass, which, by the way, the only thing that was on there was like a very narrow little passage where I would just put like my trash cans that I would take out. There's, In other words, there was no, didn't face a sidewalk. It there's nobody's going to be out there. And after a while, I learned that usually when I saw that, one of two things, either I was about to get a case or a case that I had recently been told about, that there was absolutely something legitimately supernatural going on because I would see those shadows. And that's, you know, when you work in the, this, you know, do paranormal investigations, that's one of the things you realize People think that things only happen as an investigator when you get there. If you truly do have something going on, they, you know, you're there ahead of the curve. You sometimes have things happen uh, to you or to one of the team members around the house like that way before you ever get to the case. As a matter of fact, that's a good tip off that there is something legitimate going on. So in other words, strange things can happen at your house or wherever mm-hmm. days yeah. or weeks before you actually go to, you know, investigate at somebody's house. Yeah. 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 Usually I would say like sometimes as a matter a couple of times I would be there and I would see that shadow and I'm thinking, is that obviously I knew who was in, I wasn't me. And it was like, I, I'm going to get a case. Sure enough. Within maybe the next 72 hours, I would get an email. Uh, about some case. And if I already had one that I was just, you know, we were waiting to get together, you know, work out the logistics of, it was like, you know what, without this, you know, you, you do a pre-interview, but you really don't know truly if there is legitimately something paranormal till you get there. And that was usually after a while you learned that's my tip off. There is something, not only is there something there, it's intelligent and they're coming to check us out. And in some cases I want to say, and this is not that common, they almost want to head you off at the pass as in kind of scare you off. I was just because, thinking that. You know, depending, depending on what, what, what you're dealing with, they do try to manipulate um, paranormal teams or help or whatever you want to call it away from interfering with what's going on at the house. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, for years and years, I've been in broadcasting well, since the mid-70s uh, doing talk shows. And uh, I took a break uh, through, uh, I would say, all the 90s. I just wanted to get out of radio. And I took a job as a, a general manager of a chain of uh, professional camera stores. The main corporate store was built in the building uh, in the 1880s. So it was old. And originally, it was a hotel it had like 13 stories, and in the 60s, they cut it down uh, to like uh, four stories because they, you know, it wasn't safe any longer. But in this, I found out mm-hmm. after I, I started working there, uh, my employees, we had a huge basement. And originally, the basement was a bar in the 1880s, all up to the 1920s. Uh, and we stored all our, you know, supplies for all three stores in our basement. And I would send my employees down there, hey, go get this, go get that, right? After a while, the employees say, I'm not going down there. It's haunted. Now, you know, the people we had working for us was like an ex-military, like a ranger. We had an ex-Navy SEAL. Uh, we had a guy who was a chief boatswain mate mm-hmm. in the submarine force. <laughs> and these people are saying, I'm not going to go down there anymore, Gary. You know, you go get it. And I'm going, oh, come on. You know, and this went on for years because I went down there. I never had any problems. But they, these guys would come and go because I, yeah. I would get so tired of them saying it's haunted and refusing to go down there. I would fire them. And then we'd hire somebody else. And then after a while, <laughs> they would go down there and they would say, 
hey, it's haunted. Things are moving. I smell things. I get, you know, touched all the, yeah, sure. You know, I thought they were crazy. Then one day I went down there. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And somebody tapped me really hard on the back of the shoulder. And I turned around and guess what? It was nobody <laughs> there. I mean, I was ready to punch somebody out, but there was nobody hit. And I go, this yeah. is really strange. And then I went right. down there a couple days later. I smelled lilac. And I took another step and then uh-huh. I didn't smell anything and the smell went away. You know, and then it just, I don't want to go into it because this is your time, but I tell you, that opened my eyes up. No, that, let me tell you something. I think it's a great story because you know what? I don't know what it is about cellars and basements, like something that's dug into the ground, but you get the darkest stories versus stuff that's in the middle of the house, whatever. Usually when it involves basements, or something, it's like, oh, okay, God, it's usually something dark. I don't know why. And and one time I had somebody tell me something where he was a paranormal investigator. He got slapped in the forehead, and it was in the basement of a house that they were doing the investigation. And it was like, like you said, you can't mistake it like, oh, I brushed up against something. And no, he got slapped in the forehead. So, and I, so I kind of understand also what you're saying as far as you can't mistake a that for something else oh yeah and i tell you it got so uh worse because i would be down there sometimes late i'm talking like to midnight you know also i i took a trade up because i was i didn't know if i was going to go back into broadcasting at the point so i took up a, a trade because i have electronic background on working on cameras and i'd stay mm-hmm. there late at night working on cameras you know repairing them and going up next to my office was the old staircase for the hotel it went up to our general office and then went up to another floor and I would hear footprints or footsteps going up the uh, stairs at night. And I would think, oh, uh-huh. wow, I double locked the doors so the owners couldn't get in there. I'd go in there and turn all the lights on. I look and there's nobody there. And then it would progress out a week or two later. Instead of hearing like one person going up the stairs, then I'd hear like two or three people walking up the stairs. And then it got even so bad towards last. I heard muffled talking. And that's wow. when I, I told the owner, I said, you know what? I'm not working here anymore. I can't deal with this. <laughs> and it was scary. You did know, you I feel did kind of bad for those guys you fired. <laughs> I did. I, cause I probably fired in, in, in a 10 year period, probably a, a dozen people because I got tired of hearing about ghosts. Right, yeah. But then I did some research after I quit. I found out it was a brothel at one point in the 1890s to, you know, 1900 oh, you're it was a, kidding then i found out that one of the uh, prostitutes was actually murdered cut up in pieces and was uh, found in a trunk in the room upstairs back at that time frame and then wow. there was a couple shootings in the bar where people got killed you know because it was down in tacoma you know the wow. ships would come in you know and you know it was kind of crazy time mm-hmm. back in those time frames and I yeah. tell you, it opened my mm-hmm. eyes up that, you know, uh, there is things out there that do go bump the night in which uh, before that yeah. I didn't believe in ghosts. Yeah. I, if anybody told me there was ghosts, I thought they were crazy. Now I know there's something. No, let me tell you. And uh, that question that you originally asked me about, like, because, you know, st- stuff starts coming back, memories about scary stuff. I remember one time um, I was doing an investigation and it was like, again, hours into it. And it, it's like, okay, you go over there and I'll go over here and let's, you know, let's let it quiet down. And it was one of those, um, the house was empty. In other words, somebody was living there. It was empty. 
So it was really quiet. And there was one of those. And I remember I was like, it was one of those older houses where, you know, where everything is kind of like narrower. Um, and I was upstairs and there was, it was like uh, two bedrooms upstairs. And I remember I was like off a hallway and I was just sitting down on the floor and I distinctly heard not only somebody coming up the the stairs, but somebody barefoot coming up the stairs. Uh-huh. Okay, and I don't know. Be, I don't know if it's because it was such. It wasn't like you know one of like you said like a hotel staircase. This was a an older house with those narrower uh, staircases. You know, like basically just went upstairs. Yeah. Did you get any creaking sounds? I think that's why I heard it. Did any creaking when they were going? Yeah, up the that stairs? you could hear it really well. Oh, wow. Let me tell you, I knew for, we, first of all, we would, nobody would have come up there without, you know, you know, raising, you know, saying, hey, I'm going, you know. In other words, we were trying, we were trying to do EVPs. We were just trying to capture stuff. We had a couple of cameras running here and there. And you don't want to contaminate it. It was quiet. And we were hoping, okay, let's see if something comes up. And sometimes it's true. You don't, you don't realize what you capture till afterwards. So it was really quiet. It was on purpose. And I knew there was nobody that was barefoot. Nobody was going to be strolling from the team barefoot coming up the stairs. And I distinctly heard, I remember I had, you know, I couldn't see the staircase. That was the thing. The way I positioned myself, I was trying to keep an eye. There was two bedrooms that came off like a hallway once you reached the top of the stairs. And I had placed myself almost for lack of a better word, with my back, I couldn't see the stairs at all. I was trying to keep an eye on both bedrooms. And I remember hearing it, and I was like, and I said, and it, and it, it what's really funny is I heard it coming louder, like when somebody's ascending the stairs. And if anybody's ever ascended, you, there's a distinct difference when somebody's wearing shoes to a barefoot tread. And that's what I heard coming up the stairs. It was a barefoot tread. And then I was like, Okay, you're gonna at some point you're gonna have to turn around, and it's almost like, let me tell you, talk about a frightening moment, is where okay, this is it, you got to put your big girl pants on, and I remember I just turned around. It was kind of dark, and we had ambient light. We, and there was nothing there. It was just almost it like almost like a, a when you when it got to the, it just dissipated, stopped. There was nothing there. I was I was very wigged out. I was really wigged out, and it was like how much am I feeling right now is actually something supernatural versus paranormal. I mean, I had the, the goosebumps, everything, the hair on the back of my neck was standing up. And um, then later on that night, I remember I said, okay, I, I decided to stay up there. And again, I was, I wasn't running. I was running just a, a small digital recorder and all of a sudden the, one of the bedrooms that I was concentrating on, it, the only thing they had, it was kind of empty and they had uh, like, you know, the, you know, the bed irons and stuff like that for the bed. It was, they had it propped up against a, one of the walls of the room. And there was a corner that was really dark. And all of a sudden I smelled, you know, like when it's about to rain, that you get like that smell of ionization. Yeah, the ozone, yes. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm like, smelling this and I'm like you know and I first of all I could tell there wasn't rain and I knew because it's, that's one of the things you do when you go to uh to do investigations you check the weather reports just so that you're prepared for inclement weather not only during the investigation but getting to and from the investigation so I knew there was no rain forecast I could look out the window there was no rain and all of a sudden I'm smelling ionization and then I'm looking in the corner because I'm by the door of the bedroom and I'm looking Again, I'm sitting down in the floor because there's no chairs and I'm looking towards the corner that's across from me, which is like the darkest point of the room in the shadows and something comes out of there. And when I say something, it just, it started out small and then it kind of enlarged a little bit, um, almost to the, like, uh, human shape, you know, size. It didn't step out of the shadow totally the size of a person. It just grew a little bit. And it's really weird because in the shadow, and this is kind of hard to explain, I, you could see, you know, when somebody, uh, their neck shifts and they become aware of you. Oh, yeah. Like all of a sudden, 
I see in the shadow where the face or the thing of whatever was there, like, looks around at me and becomes aware of me and goes into the closet. And it was like, I, let, let me tell you, I was, I didn't move, not because I was trying to stay still. It was like, even though you're there for that whole purpose, it was, and as soon as it went to the closet, that smell, everything, was, and this happened very quickly. It's not like it was a drawn out process. But yeah, that's one of the times that that one place that it, I had a couple of, you know, moments there where it was like, oh, okay, you know, to, you know tomorrow I'm going to have a recovery day because this, <laughs> this a, it was a rough day. It was a rough day. It was a good, interesting day, but you need a down day after having an investigation like that, I guess is what I'm saying. Now, have you investigated any of the old homes, you know, back in the 1800s? All the way up to mm-hmm. probably around the early 1900s. You know, a lot of times when people passed on, uh, you know, they would right. put the body in the coffin naturally in the parlor. Right. And the people would have, you know, come over and, you know, have like a little picnic and celebrate that person's life. And I think by doing that, right. I think sometimes the people don't go on, you know, to the light. They're still maybe trapped at that house. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Have you run across anything like that? Well, you know, well, th- and this is the thing, and you're absolutely right. You know, I would, because, you know, a lot of people nowadays, you know, especially if the house has a little bit of history, they'll say, oh, because so-and-so died. And I was like, you know, once upon a time, it was really common. People would have their babies at home and die at home you know it wasn't like how can i say it wasn't macabre it wasn't sinister it was like you know especially the person had an illness it was people would pass away in the house and i know what you're saying um occasionally i've had that especially if the person had lived there for like a really long time you know like you know before people wouldn't be so transient and people would like live 20 30 40 years in the same house or second generation uh, yeah, yeah, it's like people wouldn't wouldn't move away. They would stay there or somebody would stay there. I've had a couple of instances. I've had other instances, though, and I don't know if it's because Miami's a little bit newer. When I say newer, I would say Miami's been really established a little bit over 100 years, really, really, truly, um, where, and, that, and I found this in uh, other parts of the United States where when towns were growing up and inevitably, you know, they would start building stuff. And in this case, for example, uh, Henry Flagler was pulling, putting out the railroad and they were trying to get uh, the people from north to winter down here and he was bringing the railroad. They would bring in people to work on these projects. Uh, and what would happen is people were coming from different parts of the country basically to build whatever it was that was being built. Now, what would happen is in some cases, the cemetery would be far away from where this was being built at. And a lot of these transient people, they didn't have a place to bury them. So they would make what I call like a unofficial graveyard because, you know, back, you know, either the people didn't have family or nobody would claim them. The company who they were working for were like, okay, so what do we do to these people? Um, Even back then, uh, it would cost a little, not a lot, but, you know, you had to pay for something. Uh, and so they would basically make unofficial graveyards like, yeah, we're going to, you know, go ahead and bury them there because there's no family. Nobody's claiming them. So and I've run across some stuff, uh, some places where they discovered later on. And of course, if they would put a marker, usually it was a wooden cross, which would 
you know, that disappears real quick with the weather. And everybody forgets that once upon a time that there was people buried there. And, and even then, they would, sometimes they wouldn't even put them in a casket. They would just put them in those, what they call those winding sheets. And, you know, people would die and have accidents on these jobs. You know, a lot of the things that people would do back then when they were building railroads or whatever the case might be or buildings kind of was very dangerous work. And uh, that I have run across. You know, everybody worries about cemeteries. There's a lot of places that are cemeteries and people just don't know that they are. Oh, yeah. You know, especially older houses, you know, it was quite common, you know, to, you know, if they had any acreage mm-hmm. at all, they would plant their, I hate to say the word plant, but the deceased yeah. on the, the property, maybe next to that old maple or oak tree, you know, and, and they'd be buried yeah. there. Then years and years go by and then, you know, people, you know, come and go on the house. And next thing you know, somebody's out there doing, you know, gardening and all of a sudden starts finding bones uh, and strange things start happening before that. I, you know, I was talking to a detective I had on my show here a couple months ago, a retired state uh, police, uh, again, detective. He was also a homicide uh, detective. And he's now into ghost hunting, and he went to one house one time. They were having a lot of poltergeists, a lot of weird things going on, and it turned mm-hmm. out they lived behind a cemetery. That wasn't okay. the issue. They brought some ground uh, radar, detecting radar on the property, started checking out right. the person's backyard, and found out there was like six or seven bodies you know, buried all the way up to almost yeah. to their uh, entrance to their back door of their house. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that, that, that's, let me tell you that, and every once in a while, I don't know if you've seen the news, every once in a while, people will still be digging for some project, and then they discovered a, a cemetery, an official cemetery that's a, almost like the Poltergeist movie, where they said, yeah, we moved, they moved the headstones, but they didn't move the body, uh, where they'll say, oh, we're, you know, we're moving all these, um, all the coffins or whatever, the burials to another cemetery, and but let's face it, these a lot of these developers, they're thinking, man, it's going to cost a lot of money or they'll mm-hmm. take some. And then after a while, it'll be like, it's going to cost too much money. You know, forget it. Nobody does. Nobody knows. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, the, fast forward a few years, 50, 60 years, depends. People start digging, like you said, for some reason. And they come across coffins and bones. And it turns out that, yeah, that they didn't move everybody. Or and you're like what you said. People would have those family, um, those family graveyards. The thing is, here in South Florida, especially deep South Florida, we have what they call the limestone. Okay, where to dig a hole here? As a matter of fact, we had I had a, there's a cemetery out here that closed down in 1955, and I remember that to dig a hole there, they had to pick it. You know, this was before the use of heavy machinery. This is around 1919. Uh, and until they found this one guy who was really good with dynamite and it would take him six hours, what they would normally take two days to um, basically dig the hole because over here it's like solid limestone um, in order to, to dig, you know, sufficiently down to bury the person. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that happens quite a lot uh, as far as, uh, you know, and even now, I believe it's, if I'm correct, it's not against the law. If you want to dig a hole for your loved one and bury them in your property, I believe you can do that. Yeah, yep. I know there are some parts of the country you can. I mean, I was surprised where I live. I'm kind of on farmland and, you know, I, I, well, I had a couple animals pass on and I was thinking, oh, boy, what do I do? I called up the county and they said, well, you can just bury them on your property. Well, yeah. that's not people, but, you know, can you imagine though, yeah. somebody being buried on your property and you never had any experience in your house of anything, you know, making noise, doors open and closing or, you know, slamming right. on the walls. And all of a sudden you're out there doing some, uh, you know, gardening and you're digging and all of a sudden you start finding human bones. And all of a sudden now you go in your house yeah. that night and you hear a door slam and then it just keeps getting worse every day. I mean, yes. I've heard those things happen. Have you? Yes, I, I heard. I yeah. Um, I remember one time we did an investigation was up in the Fort Lauderdale, which is a little bit north of Miami. And it, again, it was in the older part, you know, because out here everything starts from the coast where the beaches are. That's the older part of almost all the cities out here on in uh, South Florida, and then it works westward. And this house, it was had been renovated, but in reality, it was an older house. 
And I remember they, when I was going up, they said, oh, by the way, they found a headstone in the yard. I, was, I said, a what? You know, like they found a what? And it was, yeah, it was a headstone. Um, they hadn't gone digging to find out, but it was one of those very old, you know how they had those very smaller headstones, very simple. Uh-huh. In other words, it wasn't like one of those, something that was made, which makes you think somebody that had done it themselves or buried the person in their property. Uh, it was a very basic headstone and they hadn't gone. And they had, after they had discovered it, they had started having some activity and we were like, okay, is this the power of suggestion? You find a headstone and you know, but yeah, it did turn out that there was something going on there. Uh, but absolutely. And it, 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 what triggered it apparently was a discovery of this headstone that again, they had, um, I believe it, it was a detached garage because, you know, some of these older Florida homes, they would have either carports or detached garages. And then you would walk into the house proper and they were renovating in the back and they were doing some digging. And that's when they came across it. And after that, that's when they started having things going on. And they had a little boy uh, who was starting to say, you know, you know, children will start saying things that they're seeing things and they start having a bunch of things going on. And if I remember correctly, I believe it only had a first name like Arthur. It didn't have a lot of information. It didn't have any dates on the headstone. It just had that one name. So it was really difficult to like, okay, where do you go with this? As far as how do you find out? Uh, and people don't realize, at least here in Florida, before the year, I want to say, I think it was 1917, you did not have to produce a death record. You know that now vital statistics, you have to record births and deaths. Uh-huh. Back then, you know, people passed away, children especially passed away. They weren't forced to record the death. Uh, sometimes they would do it if you had church records, but a lot of times they didn't, they didn't do that. So yeah, that, uh, that was one of those that as far as what we're talking about, as far as burials on your, on your property, sometimes people, you know what they say? Ignorance is bliss. Oh yeah. 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 Now, and, how, uh, how about any violent cases where anybody got scratches or, you know, got shoved, you know, down or anything interesting like that? Have you been into any of those investigations um, where that was going on? Well, this is, well, you know what? Um, we have had cases where, uh, as a matter of fact, sometimes they call me to consult on a lot of these. And I've worked, like I said, as a freelancer with a lot of different teams. In other words, uh, and usually there's a lot, it, it usually involves something having to do with dark magic. Okay. And by this, I mean um, magic that's been done to basically pull in Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To the dead that really don't belong there. How's that? In other words, I'm not talking about somebody that lived there or got killed there. You know, what you usually think of, this is the spirit. Uh, the dark magic that was done was, was binding that soul and they were using it. And sometimes um, the people move away and they leave. They basically leave it there, okay? Or sometimes they send it there. It's in some type of dark, ma- in certain types of magic, you know, they will send that spirit there, which, by the way, is a discarnate, basically to cause trouble. It's kind of a weird thing. And those can be quite violent and quite sinister, okay? Because sometimes, I want to say not all the time, but a good portion of the time, we're talking here uh, a spirit that, does not know it's dead or is very confused or not accepting. And they, they can be uh, very, uh, you know, I've, I've had 
you know, a couple, a couple of times I had somewhere, you know, one of your first signs is nightmares. Uh, and because a lot of people think that stuff like this happens like from one day to the next, and it's a lot more subtle. It starts very slowly and it starts stuffing stuff like nightmares, uh, things of that nature. Like for example, one time we had a case with this young lady. Uh, she had been, she had been, uh, she was engaged to get married and her and her fiance had bought a townhouse and they had last minute things fell apart, but she stayed with a townhouse. And she says one day she's out with her girlfriends. She's a real pretty girl. And, uh, they meet this man. This was, you know, that down here in South Florida, they have some, what they call Santeria, which is Afro-Caribbean. It's not voodoo exactly, but it's like an offshoot, similar, but different. It's not the same thing. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. 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 That, that you see that here a lot. And, um, I don't, I forget where she had gone somewhere and, they came across and it was, it was a, an important date that they were going to have some type of big party, big celebration. And this guy says, Hey, if you want to come to my house, we're going to have this big celebration. So her and her girlfriends are all curious, like, Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go. So it gives them the address. They show up. Sure enough to have this big feast and this big thing. And they hang out. And this guy, he was the one giving it. And this was of course, the, all the, the majority of people there are believers in Santeria. Uh, you know, I wasn't there, so I don't know firsthand, but they said after a while, they like kind of got an eyeful and then they said, okay, we're leaving. And I guess he was kind of interested in her and he's like, oh no, you know, uh, stay a bit, you know, give me a chance. And bottom line, they stayed, but at the end they were like, okay, we're leaving. We want to go somewhere else. And to be a long story short, apparently this guy says, oh, don't leave. And she was like, look, I'm leaving because I just want to leave. I'm not going to stay. That was it. She leaves and she could tell that he was kind of mad, upset. Okay. So she goes on her way. She says the first thing she notices, this is like right at the this townhouse she lived in was a two-story townhouse. She had a little dog. And she says, all of a sudden her dog would sit at the bottom of the stairs and start barking and barking and barking. And she says this dog had never done that before. And she was like, what is wrong with this dog? And she says she couldn't get the dog to go upstairs for nothing. She says before the dog would sleep upstairs with her. And um, the dog would just sit and sit and bark and bark and bark. And she says then, and another time she started getting the feeling it like when she would be like at the kitchen sink uh, or doing something in the kitchen, like somebody was watching her and she was alone in the house with the dog. She would turn around at nobody there. And she says that it started very slowly. And it's just a couple of times she would be falling asleep and she would hear like somebody whisper in her ear, but she couldn't make out what it was, but it was almost like, you know, right when you're dropping off to sleep. And she was like, a couple of times it was like, okay, I was starting to have a dream. And then what happened was that that feeling started becoming more and more and more pronounced. Uh, the feeling of being watched. The a couple of times she almost like again when she was falling asleep she almost felt like somebody had like like you know when your bed you feel somebody get on the bed with you. And she says that she was afraid to tell her like her sister her mom because she was thinking I'm going crazy I'm going crazy. And she says also during that time she had put up the, the townhouse for sale. And, you know, everything fell through and it just really getting worse. And she says, I really was fearing for my sanity because she said she started experiencing that feeling of being watched outside of the house. Interesting. And she says that one, one day she lays down and she feels somebody or something, whatever you want to call it, lay down next to her. And she just she put out her hand because she was kind of asleep and she felt somebody <laughs> next to her. And she says that she got up. She says she, she says she grabbed the clothes of the dog and she ran off to her sister, her married sister's house, and made her uh, leave the light on and slept on the floor next to her bed, and uh, stayed there for a week. Her sister would go pick up some clothing, and then a friend of a friend who was into spiritualism, uh, you know, you know, basically, you know how people contact everybody, and we had somebody channel, and it turned out that that guy had sent a dead guy to be with her. And he was like, they channeled this, this uh, spirit and the spirit was in a, a man in his thirties. And he was like, I don't want to hurt her. I just want to be with her. This man, the spirit was unaware that he was dead. Okay. And you know, they sent him on his way, but he was trying to basically do an attachment to her. Oh, wow. And the reason it, 
it, hauntings don't always come because you move into the wrong place, in other words. <laughs> so, yeah, that can happen sometimes well, with, with that type of situation. Yeah, that would be so scary to, you know, all of a sudden, you, you know, and, that, and this is really interesting. Now, this is not a human, but I had a, one of my my favorite dog passed away a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I had this dog for almost 20 years and uh, the, it always would sleep by our feet. But then when he figured we were asleep, he would creep all the way up to my pillow and share my pillow with me. And after uh-huh. he passed on, I, I swear to God, I felt him kind of creeping the you know how the mattress kind of you get the little feel yeah. of the mattress and it was going on like that and that lasted for a couple of weeks and then it quit but uh, even my wife noticed that and, and she goes what are you doing and i go i'm not doing anything but you could feel like his little feet just going up and down on the bed you know sneaking up and that tells me that you know even the animals and uh, and humans yeah. it, it, I, they don't i don't think they realize that they're dead and uh, that I don't know. I I don't know if I could handle, you know, reaching over and and feeling something when I know it's nothing there. That would I would lose it. Well, see that. Well, that's basically what happened to her. She said she just grabbed her clothes, the dog, and ran out the front door. Oh, and by the way, after they passed the spirit on, she instantly got uh was able to sell the house. She said, "Oh, I can." Like she says, like within two weeks. This, and by the way, this was a brand new townhouse. This was there was nothing there. It had been brand new built. That when they her and her fiance, her ex fiance, had bought it, she like two two weeks later she got a contract on it and she sold it. Yeah, uh, so I, I mean, and I know some people say, well, but sometimes things like this can manipulate things in the background. And that thing that you were talking about the dog, um, I was reading uh, about a story, something similar. An older couple they had a little dog, you know, little dog. The dog passed away eventually. And they said that they had a, like a little spot, like I guess they had like a, a little porch in the back, you know, where they would have its things. And they said they started hearing the dog barking back there. And they were like, what? How similar. And they said that at the beginning, they were like, oh, you know, because it's this little dog that they were really heartbroken when the dog died, but it didn't stop. <laughs> and to the point that they were like starting to like, okay, we're over it. Like, and one day the lady went out to this little area in the back room and whatever was there growled at her, but it wasn't like the little dog because apparently it was one of those little dogs. I think it was a Pomeranian or something like that. Uh Whatever was there growled at her. And it wasn't like my little dog growling. And I was like, see that, that would wig me out totally. (laughs) (laughs) It would. I'll be honest. It it wigged me out with, with, with my dog what after it passed on, you know, again, I'd be sleeping yeah. or I wouldn't even be sleeping. I'd be watching TV. And then I felt the, the mattress making that little uh, sinking, creaking noise, yeah. you know, like the footsteps. I, I tell you, I, I, ah, I don't know. I when I die, right. they, they better bury me face down. That's all I can say. <laughs> I won't even go into that one. No, no, no need to. But we, I, we all get it. At least I do. <laughs> You know, one thing. But yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say a friend of mine who recently passed on, Art Bell. You know, he would yes. always tell me that one of his guests, uh, 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 was it uh, Lear, told him when you die, you know, that going to the light is a trick. You want to go to the darkness. And uh, I, Art, you know, we would talk, you know, on the phone every so often, and he, you know, one, and this is like a, about a month before he passed on because it has bothered him for years. He goes, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know when I die, do I go to the light or go to the, to the darkness? Because, you know, I, I kind of feel like maybe, you know, what, uh, yeah, what if I choose the wrong one? Yeah. Cause you know, you go to the light and that might be the trick, you know, and then if you go right. to the darkness, which is peace, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to try to go in between. Well, you know what? It's really funny because when you remember back in the 80s and Dr. Moody came out with a near-death experience that he had done all these things about all these people were having the near-death experience and how everybody would describe the tunnel and the light. And and then then, then came the people that rained on the parade who would describe these really bad near-death experiences, like that they, it was really dark. I was like, whoa, okay. Before it was okay, no problem. You have a tunnel and then, you know, the light. And then you have your loved ones and maybe you will be sent back. But it was like, 
okay, no problem. You knew where you were going. And then, of course, other people started saying, no, they had really bad uh, near-death experiences where it was really dark. And I was like, okay, well, like you were saying, well, which which is the right door? You know, the lady or the tiger, What which one do I choose? Yeah, I don't uh, know. And I unfortunately, we don't get to make that choice to it happens, do we? Well, no, right. It's one of those things that, um, yeah, you're you're thinking it's like, I mean, it's yeah, it's one of those things like you don't know till you're there, and then it's like okay, too late to ask. <laughs> you know, I will say this. My, yeah, hopefully, it's, I was just going to say this. My father had dementia. He had Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and the last right. year he was alive, he was in a bed. He was basically nothing more than a vegetable. I mean, he was not even coherent. Mm-hmm. And the doctors mm-hmm. told me, you know, that uh, and they did, and they said one of these days, you know, you want to put him on life support or whatever. And, I, and me and my brother said, you know, no. Well, but we get a phone call mm-hmm. and it's from the doctors uh, where he was at. And they said, your dad came too, and he's talking and he wants to see you. So I had to make like a 60 mile trip to go where he was at. I get in there. And he's in okay. his room and he's talking and he's totally coherent, you know, and he's asked me if wow. I, you know, did what I was doing. We had a little talk and then he, he said, you know, I'm going to die today. And, you know, that kind of freaked me out because here he's been, you know, in a vegetable state for a year, yeah. but he was talking normal and the doctors couldn't mm-hmm. told me they, they haven't seen anything. At least they haven't where somebody came through and, you know, right. And, and we were, and then he started talking about my mom, which passed away about maybe six years before my dad did about she came mm-hmm. to see him. And then the, uh, his brother and, you know, my uncles, which are all been passed on. And, you know, he was telling me that he's going to be joining my mom and all this stuff. You know, and then, you know, we, we he, you know, tried to eat a sandwich, which he, he didn't do a good job. You know, the doctor said, well, maybe he needs a rest. Well, he passed away before I even got home. And it was funny. He came to, he was yeah, coherent was like he was- and lucid. And then, you know, I, I, I just, it makes me wonder. But it made me, you know, he was telling me like what heaven was like. And, and he was totally, like I said, he was making sense, you know, and he was just, it, just, it scared me because maybe sometimes when people do on the verge of death, maybe they are seeing their loved ones. Well, um, one time I was speaking to a hospice nurse, and you know, sometimes in hospice, people can last for a while. It's not necessarily a lot of people think that. And she she had been doing this for quite a few years, and I remember her telling me, she goes, you know what, I know when one of my patients is going to be passing away. And I say, how? She goes, well, when they start talking to or about relatives that are deceased. She goes, in some cases, I've since I've worked with them for a bit, when they start talking, they start mentioning certain names. I know that that person that they're talking about, whether it's a husband or whatever, is deceased. She goes, and sure enough, when they start saying or talking about, um, oh, I spoke to so-and-so, or they're actually speaking like that person is in the room with them, then she says, sure enough, they're not long for this world. Uh, and she goes, sometimes they'll have health crisis and they come out of it. But once I start seeing that, you know, and she says the same thing. And some of them sometimes have dementia or, you know, they have Alzheimer's or they're just, you know, they're not all there. She says, Man, they'll start talking to people who I know are dead. And she says, and uh, that's one of my signs that, that they're going to be dying soon. So, yeah. I don't know. That's. It's well, it's kind of comforting if you think about it, though. Uh, yeah. In the sense of, well, I, I think it'd be comfort, uh, comforting for the you know the person who's about ready to pass on. I don't, I don't know. I, I tell you, it wasn't really comfort for me watching. You know what my, you know, like I said, we had a normal conversation about you know job wise and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and he was you know asking questions because I mean he thought it was a. You know, maybe two years, you know, he lost like almost two yeah. years of mental capability. Uh, so he was living in the past and I had to bring him up to what was going on. Right. And, it, you know, he was digesting mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I don't know. I, I don't want to go through that again. I'll tell you that. 
unless when it's my time. Oh, no, no. And you know what? It's, it's, and it's really weird. You know, you hear about some people don't not, you know, waiting for their loved, you know, their family or a special person to arrive. And then there's others that it's really weird. They kind of wait till everybody leaves. Like, like everybody says, I'm going to take a break or I'm going to go home and shower. It's almost like they want to pass, but it's like, I'm going to do it when you're all the way from here for some reason. I've heard of both scenarios playing out. Um, but it almost sounds like he really wanted to have that last conversation with you, Gary. He yeah. he wanted to, you know, like, kind of. I, 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 to me, it almost sounds like, almost like trying to make you feel better, like especially, you know, that he told you he's going to be with your mom. And like, in other words, don't worry, I'm good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we had a little problem the last, you know, I'm the one along with my brother. It put him originally, you know, from the hospital into the nursing home. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he was not ever happy about that. But as the dementia went on and the Alzheimer's went on, you know, then pretty soon he didn't even know who we were. But, you know, I don't know. I don't, mm-hmm. I just saying for myself, I don't want to go through that. If I die, I want to die fast where I, you know, I, and again, what you're saying that some people want to wait to like their loved ones leave the room. Maybe yeah. they, 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 they hang on. Okay. And they're hanging on to, you know, to make closure with their family. But then at a certain point, they, 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 right. they probably yeah. are saying to themselves, please leave the room for, I can go meet my maker now. And I hate to say it, but I'm sure right. that happens. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes it does work out that way. It's like, it's, you know, especially if you, you know, you've got, you know, you know, we always think, you know, you do have sometimes family members that even if the person is elderly, they still like, oh, no, you know, they're very, they're grieving a lot. You know, and it's almost like, you know what, I can't leave while this is going on. And, and on that note, I mean, I have also heard, you know, sometimes where you will have somebody that's passed on and the person that's left behind grieves so hard and starts with that don't leave that they actually bind them down. They don't let them leave because they want to comfort this person. This person is grieving so hard and in so much despair that they almost bind them from going on to where they should be because they're like hot, like this person, you know, doesn't seem to be able to I need to help this person, especially, you know, a loved one, a spouse, a child, a grandchild, or vice versa, whatever. So you have, sometimes you have to be real careful because I have run across that. As a matter of fact, when I was doing some other hypnosis, you know, and and we talked about that briefly before, you know, that part of the work I did with alternative hypnosis was with spirit attachments. And that every once in a while, you will run across that where the attachment is uh, a loved one. Well, what you're saying, basically, and maybe I got this wrong, you, you have a family members there and somebody's about ready to pass on. And, and basically, mm-hmm. they're making the the person who's passing on feel guilty that they're leaving them. And then they don't go yeah. to the light. They, they, they're there, uh, yeah. you know, trying to give comfort even after they, they pass on to their loved ones. Right. Like the person is, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, of course you're going to grieve, but, you know, this is the person or the loved one that will say, don't leave me, don't leave, you know, or how could you do this? Or, you know, pe- things that people say sometimes when they're grieving, don't get me wrong, but it's almost like, in other words, and, and sometimes that spirit, which understands that it's kind of passed on, doesn't want to leave because they feel like either I have to protect this person or comfort this person or like they especially sometimes even if in life they were like the protector you know they took that role that that's their personality they get attached they they get they don't follow what they normally do which is um you know go like you know i'm going to use the stereotypical get going to the light thing whatever wherever it is that you're supposed to go they don't and they that's and they can get enmeshed in somebody's aura and, and then that becomes a whole that's a whole different thing but yeah and then they can't leave, even when they want to. They can't leave because they're meshed in that other person's aura. Yeah. Sometimes that's... they do. Sometimes when the uh, and, and that happens, you know, when you have people, you know, how people when it's fresh, they're grieving, and then as months go by, they kind of start getting over it. And that's why sometimes you have these people that you never see them get over the grief. In other words, they never move on. And it's because they have some type of spiritual attachment. Or they, uh, they and by get, the way, also strong hate will do that. 
Or the, then when they the, they do get over the griefing, they all of a sudden start hearing the refrigerator open and closing the steps and all that stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes when even when they move out, the next person that moves in that property now, all of a sudden that attachments no, to that property. No, no, this thing is attached to them. Oh, to them personally. No, 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 the attachment. Well, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you will have a spirit that will stay behind because it, but no, what I'm talking about is a spiritual attachment to that person. In other words, um, let's, let's, let's go with the married couple, for example. Let's say the husband dies and the wife goes through this, oh, don't leave me, how could you, whatever. Or he might be the job, whatever. He attaches to her. He just stays behind. He wants to comfort her, gets enmeshed in her. Or, and by the way, I'm giving you a very condensed version of the process. He cannot leave six, seven months down the road, a year down the road. She's better. Okay, she's like, for some reason, she can't not get on with her life. A lot of times she'll feel like somebody's staring at her. In other words, sometimes she might even feel he's like right next to her. And maybe at the very beginning, it was kind of a little bit comforting. But then as time goes on, okay, it's not. And basically, he's attached to her and he cannot leave. And sometimes you can get that person to move on. But it, it's a really, really weird situation. Uh, and... Also, if that, let's say the person that's left behind us a lot wants to move on with their life, maybe meet somebody new, get remarried. Oh, yeah. They'll run into problems along those lines because basically they have an attachment from their ex-spouse or whoever that is. That is scary, uh, And too. I've heard of that. Oh, I have, yeah. too. Now, we're down to like the last five minutes. Uh, why don't you tell people about your books? Okay, well... Um, my first book, it's, uh, it's when you talked about, it, it's about the titled haunted history of the old West wicked ladies and the bad hombres they loved. And basically it's ghost stories, but it has a lot to do with like old West of frontier towns. They, very similar to what you were describing that went on in that place that you used to work at, which was a real eye opener when I did the research. Then I did another one called, uh, lady in the blue kimono, which is more like true, uh, murder mysteries that, I came across that contrary to modern days, a lot of things, uh, really horrific crimes happened. A lot of them didn't get solved. Very similar. You know how the Black Dahlia, we hear so much about that. Oh, yeah. There was very similar murders to that, that along the same lines. Some did get solved. Others didn't. Um, and I did one that came out at the end of last year, which was Supernatural Safety. And I talk about things that people can do themselves when they believe or they think that something paranormal is going on in their house or things to do even before you move into a new location. And then I've got another one I'm working on that's going to come out in, uh, in August. And it's, uh, and it's titled, it's again, uh, about, uh, it's called an odd collection of old and obscure true ghost stories. And these are just short true ghost stories, uh, older times. And some of them, they definitely fall into the urban myth, but there's a lot of them that are, that were true, you know. And again, these are those stories that sometimes you know what who it's, what it's about or what prompted it, and it got resolved. And others, it's just things that people witness without any further explanation as to what occurred. You know, what what prompted, in other words. Oh yeah. Well, how can they find your yeah. books? Well, they can go to either uh, MarlenePardo.com uh, or they can go to Amazon Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Or they can go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. On all those locations, they can find out about me, the books, anything else. And, um, you know, if they have questions sometimes. Like I said, I do consult with some groups. I don't have a problem with that. You know, uh, questions sometimes about weird, like recently I had an investigation. They were consulting about what they thought was maybe an Egyptian artifact that somebody had brought back that they were thinking was uh, possibly the root of a of a of something that was going on. In other words, it kind of we're thinking that that was the source, which is cursed or or just objects that has been attachment. Interesting. Uh, we got yeah. like two minutes. Is there anything you want to say in the last two minutes? Well, um, you know what? Uh, I am one of those uh, investigators that you know, especially when you've been doing this for a, a long time, things have changed a lot in the last 20 years. 
And uh, one of the things that I talk to people about, because, you know, there's a lot of people running around trying to be paranormal investigators. And I think it's fun. It sometimes can be boring, but you have to be really careful. And, and no kidding aside, I don't, I don't do this to be scare people, but you really have to be careful sometimes where you go. Number one, personal safety, by the way. And we're not only talking to dead people, okay, but sometimes you can really, which is not that common, but you can run into very sinister and dark things, uh, at investigations or even cemeteries, uh, like as, you know, people ask me, people that are not aware of some of these cemeteries, they have what they call cemetery sentinels. And these are non-human entities that are posted at graveyards. And that's, that's a whole different thing, but yeah, it's very fun. It's exciting. And I think sometimes people get carried away, but they have to really be careful about what places they go to. Well, you know, what? do, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, also, you got to be really careful if you go in an old building that's abandoned. Oh, God, You want to yes. make sure you don't fall through the ceiling or fall through the basement because you could die yeah. there because, you know, you fall down, break a leg or whatever, you can't get out. No one no- knows you're there. So make sure yeah. you go always, when you do anything like that, one, get permission by the owner, you know, the, the property yeah. owner. Two is tell people where you're going. If you don't do those two mm-hmm. things, you're asking for problems. Yeah, because you have a lot of what they call these legend trippers that are not necessarily doing it for paranormal. They're not going on a team, in other words. They're just going to some place that, you know, some spooky stories are about. And I would, I would tell people, never go by yourself. Exactly for the reason you just stated. Or sometimes you go into these abandoned places and you get people that are squatting there and that are not happy that you just walked in on their location. So you got to be really careful. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a good way to get hurt or killed. Well, yes, yes. Well, Marlene, I really enjoyed having you on Night Dreams Talk Radio After Dark. We need to get you back on, if possible, like it, in July or Absolutely. something, and where we can, you know, go a full two hours. Yes, absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Okay, well, the weekend's coming up. Uh, I just want to, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you. You take care. Bye-bye. Night. Anyway, tomorrow, you want to make sure you tune in to our show We're going to have a great guest on uh, tomorrow for two hours. And then we're going to extend our show tomorrow for an extra hour. So instead of being on just from 7 to 9, we're going to be on from 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific West Coast time. What's going on the last hour? Well, you can call in starting at 9, uh, 10, yeah, 9.05 Pacific time. You can call it and, and tell scary stories. Now, we're going to kind of limit the calls down to about five minutes, but I'll tell you what's going to happen. You tell us a scary story, you're going to get a brand new book in the paranormal. It could be anything from UFOs to Bigfoot to cryptic to monsters, but you'll get a book and we'll even pay for the shipping. Anyway, my time is up. I want to say thank you for tuning in tonight. We'll catch you tomorrow. Take care. <laughs>